Alright guys, welcome back. This is Chris Adams with uh, Beyond the Blind or BTBN, whatever the hell you want to call it. The podcast that uh, shall go unnamed. And today I'm here with Michael Meredith and uh, we're doing a little follow-up from last time. What's going on, buddy? What's up, bud? How's it going? Just walked in the door, got some coffee, had to get everything set up so we could uh, get running and called you and you're like, I'm still at work, man, so hold on a second. Coffee at 3 o'clock? Dude, I get up at 4 a.m. Well, I do too, but I still ain't drinking coffee. You know, I get a little groggy in the afternoon. Right before the kids get home, I need a little shot to wake me up so I can get ready yeah. for that mentally. Oh, I, I know how that goes. Them kids, your kids are both in school, right? Oh, yeah. So they come home from having been hemmed up all day and having to sit still and they're like a rat on acid when they hit the door most of the time, right? Oh, yeah. Well, it's even worse this week because it's like 15 degrees here today, so they couldn't even go outside, so they're going to be oh, crazy. Okay. Well, it's uh, it's 45 here. I'm hoping we get a push of birds off of that cold front for the last little bit of duck season or it's going to be miserable, more miserable than it has been all year. Man, I went out and sat last weekend when uh, that big cold push was supposed to hit and uh didn't see a damn duck waited it out later than normal and uh started to pick up and got every single freaking thing picked up and here come the honkers 45 minutes late and i was like i hate hunting i'm about to uh, call this thing quits i'm i'm selling all my stuff i'm gonna get me a rabbit dog and i'm gonna start freaking rabbit hunting again screw this noise hey man i would love to do that that's what i started when i was a kid was the rabbit hunting oh yeah man me too. That's a. If we don't start getting some ducks here in the next couple of years, this is three or four really bad years in a row up here. I'm about to uh, call it quits. I don't blame you. I think I may have created a monster yesterday, though, so I may have to. I may have to tough it out for a couple more years. My oldest one killed his first duck yesterday. Heck so, yeah, man! That's awesome. We are. Uh, we we have we've passed on from the deer hunt bug, hopefully into the duck hunt bug, and we can. We can turn him into a full-fledged killing machine now. <laughs> oh, right, right. Well, heck, I'll take one duck with the kiddos over anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. It wasn't a typical... We had to do a little pond hopping because they didn't didn't do what they had done the day before, but we still got him one, and he was, he was elated, so it's all good. Nice. We went out on, uh, on Saturday. My buddy said this field... It was a good traffic field for honkers, and there was 250, 300 from the whole city that kind of got up and been flying this flyway all week long. So uh, we got out there, and you know me, man. And once it turns nine, nine thirty, I'm I'm about ready to be done <laughs> if nothing's happening. And uh, we waited it out till about 10:05, and I was like, all right, this is stupid. We haven't seen a single thing fly. And by God, if we did not get picked up and they flew at freaking like 10, 12 as soon as every last decoy was picked up. That's why they call it hunting and not killing. They don't always play the game the way they're supposed to. I'm telling you, that's, that's why I like the rabbit hunting, man. We can go flush them out. That's right. <laughs> so, last time we talked, uh, I think we ended it. I told you I wanted to get into that... Uh, that compilation call that you and old Will had and then uh, get into some you were going to do some competition calling yourself so you can pick pick your poison and go which down which path well, you want to go down but before we before we go any further than that I think we probably should mention uh, what we were talking about just before we got off home that Mr. Billy Starks had passed away today yeah um, it just happened like 10 minutes before yeah is when I, I saw I saw that he, his son posted it like uh, that he passed away like at 1058 or something like that on his Facebook page. Um, there are, in my opinion, very few people that have changed the game of call making. And we're both call makers. So we've both tried to create some sort of name, whether, whether you want to admit it or talk about it or think it's a big deal. But as a call maker, it's, you know, you want to have your calls to be where people want to buy them and you want to have a, a little bit of a name and something like that so that when people see uh, an unstable call, they know what it is. There are very few people 
in the comb making business that did it like Billy Starks did. You yeah. know? Yeah, I not mean, only did he create that call that everybody knows, but he just created that respect. And, absolutely. Uh, just the way that it's supposed to be done. I mean, everybody knows, everybody who knows anything about call making, call collecting, waterfowl hunting, if you're from that that area, man, it's just, he's a name that everybody knows. There's few names like that that are just synonymous with waterfowl hunting. I, I think I, I think you put Billy Starks in the category, in, in my head, I can think of four people from that time period that, Changed call making. You have uh, Butch Richenbach and Rick Dunn, and they took it to a whole nother level with the, the mass production and, and that sort of thing. Then you have Alvin Taylor and Billy Starks. Yep, yep, absolutely. And I, I think the, those four people changed the future of call making for all of us. Anybody that, that can turn a custom call and sell it on Facebook or the internet or wherever owes those four people more thank you than than you'll ever be able to give them in turn, you know? Yeah, yeah, man, I, I fully agree. I mean, it's, you know, there, there are people between that generation and our group that, that built on that legacy, but those guys started it, and... I, I wouldn't even say that. I mean, you could go back to five. Man, the, oh, next, the last 120, 110, yeah. 120 years, guys you know, have been the, innovating. The Chick Majors, Majors group, but but these four guys really started focusing on making a sound, a modern style duck call that sounds and functions like what we're used to blowing today. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, absolutely. They changed the game completely. I kind of look at it as the defining moment of when guys went from, you know, obviously you have the old series, but uh, you, from when guys went from being like us, tinkering around in a garage and making calls out of anything they possibly could to guys yeah. that were really just going out there and making calls on the highest level. Yeah. And doing it as, you know, not just the business, but, you know, as a way of life. Yes, sir. I agree. Couldn't we wouldn't we wouldn't be. I, I would venture to say, without guys like Mr. Starks, we wouldn't be here clapping about duck calls. Yeah. On a podcast, you know, for everybody to, or everybody that has any interest in listening to us clap our guns to hear it. You know. Yeah, I fully agree, man. Anyway, uh, oh, you tell me. Where do you want to go? Which one of them other? Hey man, it's, this is this is your life right here. So, <laughs> man, I'm on the I'm on the interstate headed home from work. That's how that's how much this is my life. Yeah, using using your hands free device though, right? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I got both. I ten and two, ten and two. And that uh, that Chevy, man, that uh, Bluetooth connection sounds really good. You wouldn't know much yeah. difference. If you, it's what you get when you don't buy a Ford. Oh, hold on. We don't want to eliminate like half of our. Okay, we can eliminate those half of people. Uh, Will drives a Will drives a Ford. And I have to haul him all over the place, so it's all good. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of Will, there you go. You just picked the topic. So let's uh, so let's go into this combination call that you guys had. What? Where did that come from? Who did you guys come up? Sat down with a flat jig together one day and just. Decide, hey man, let's do this thing together. Or what What's the background we, behind it? Uh, we we talked about that for quite a while. Um, kicked that idea around. Gosh, I don't know for a year, probably maybe a little more. Um, we got together one day, just diddling around, and uh, I actually went to his house on a. I think it was the day after Christmas, actually. Um, was up there piddling around we were working on some stuff and he said man let's just sit down and make one so we did we turned uh, turned one and we used you know my old fat barrel shape that everybody seems to be so well not everybody but a lot of people seem to be crazy about that older fat barrel shape and we used that for the barrel and then he put his little lip rest, a little flared lip rest that he uses on his calls. We put that on. Then on the insert, we did the exact opposite. We used his 
predominancy is in Chartier. And then we put the crown that I put on my inserts on it to make it look like a true combination of my call and his call to get all of it in there. Um, Leave that first call with black wood. We put a CA finish on it and we actually put a band on the very first one we made that Will feathered by nice. hand. And it did not look good. So we took that band <laughs> off and started over. <laughs> you should just send it out to Brad and had him do it up. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Should have. But we, we kind of did a combination of things with the bore and the tone board all. We didn't cut it off flat jig, but we used both of our tone boards and dimensions and, you know, I mean, there's so much that goes into call, uh, a call as far as tone channel length, the exhaust bore. It's, that call is bored out louder than anything that I do except for my cut down because um, just because we were playing around and we took a big old half-inch ringer that he had and just open that thing up all the way and it is it is it come that call came alive to me um it's not an easy call blow it is not for somebody that likes real smooth uh a real smooth running call that call has got a lot of wrath a lot of range um you could hang that call on your lanyard and blow it and never need a cut down if that's what you wanted to do right um, it's it's got all kinds of rattle and rasp and loud aggressive in a in a duck call. That's what we that's what we were shooting for. So did you guys uh did you guys go from that first one and just take it from there, or did you uh, play with a few different times? Oh uh, well, and there seems to be quite a bit of uh, we'll say uh, there's lots of feelings around that call. Part of that I, I, I've. <laughs> I've said before, I'll take credit, I'll, I'll take all the credit and all the blame for the way that call sold. That was on me. Um, I've been very open about my feelings on call slippers and whatnot and how all that stuff goes. Um, the first call that we made, uh, Rusty Heron found out that we were making it. And he called me and he said, man, you can't sell that call less. Uh-oh, lost you. Hold on one second. We'll go we'll try to pause it up and see if we can get you back. Hold on. Hey, Mike, you still there? Yeah. You cut out for a minute after you said Rusty said you couldn't sell that for blank. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, go ahead, man. Uh, well, Rusty Rusty told me that I needed to sell that call for a certain price. and I don't, I don't even remember what it was, but it was a lot more than I'm comfortable selling a call for. I said, Rusty... You know, Rusty and I have had a conversation on numerous occasions about call prices and various things, and, and we have a different philosophy on that. And he said, I tell you what, you let me sell it for you. I said, okay. He said, send me some pictures. So we sat down, took a couple pictures, and he waffled it for, I want to say $750. Woo! Now, waffle prices and actual call prices are... Vastly uh, different, but... That's, very, very much different. It's but still, even if that, that thing went for 400 that's still pretty damn sweet. Right. And I, I, he, he, he sold more spots in the waffle than he had, than we had, than he had lines. So, and he had a bunch of people that just sent him money without confirming a line. So we had to make another call that night <laughs> one of those oopsie moments but heck yeah exactly. this is something he, he called me after the first and waffled he called me and said hey you've got to make another one I screwed up so to make it right we we made another one and waffled it so we did one uh, CA finish one oil finish um, both of them are sleeved in black wood and they're both really fancy stabilized pieces of wood all that all that mess um and he waffled both of them for 750 dollars we really didn't think a whole lot about it after that you know we kind of did our own thing and we a couple months later we started talking about actually trying to do something that we could sell more of those than just one or two at a time and that's where we led into 
you know, trying to find the diamond wood and doing something that was different than what either one of us had done before. And that's where that's where we went with the that's where we went with that call. Yeah, you found that freaking diamond wood, man. Everybody was using that green there for a little bit, and I don't know if you guys started the uh, the green comeback, but it seemed like everything was coming out green for a minute. I don't know about that. I don't think either one of us has enough pull to chase the dang call market anyway, shape, or I would, wouldn't say that at all. Well, <laughs> you can influence it, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Well, if you wouldn't have ran off all those damn CNC calls and teal, you'd still be making mad money on those teal calls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the way it always works? That's yeah, yeah. So if I had go ahead, go no, you go ahead. You're finishing thought. Well, if I had known that that J stuff was going to be worth that much, I would have kept that crap in my shop instead of having it done by a machinist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Jade, not teal. Yeah, yeah. that uh, yeah. yeah. There was a heck of a lot of Jade CNC calls that went out. Yeah, you wouldn't have to cut a dang thing. You could sit back and just watch it stack up. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Well, that's like that stinking orange that's going out and that freaking stubble yellow color that I think is hideous that people are paying yeah. crazy money for. I don't know what uh what the end game is. It's not Midland, but uh, Spartek, what their end game is with discontinuing all these random colors. <laughs> but, uh, I don't either. I don't either. I don't understand sure how they, you discontinue red. I'm sure they have red. their reasons for it from a business perspective, but, you know. It has to not them. be selling. I mean, that, logically. And uh, you, could, you could theoretically put uh, those discontinued colors of acrylic in the same kind of category as people closing their books on price points, too, you know? Yep, yep. I 100% agree, man. Whether it's a good color or not, if it's discontinued, people are going to go crazy trying to gather it up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like that jade and I like that uh that Casey red, but that yellow, yellow orange, whatever the hell color that is, that the stuff is nasty looking. Uh, yeah. It looks I like agree. circus peanuts, man. Those yep. nasty freaking circus peanuts that are disgusting. Yep. So you said you set the coal market, the flipper market, or something like that, and they could blame it on you. Is that what you mean by uh, having Rusty do it? Oh, no, 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 I'm talking about the, um, the, the call when we did the production run that everybody seems to have disagreed with have the, the price point on those. Well, see, that, you know, just sitting back, I wasn't even turning again yet when I watched that, and that just made me laugh, uh, when all of it happened, because you guys were selling them for a pretty good price. Um, you know, they were they were a more expensive call, but they weren't the most expensive production call I've ever seen come out. And uh, it was hilarious because, you know, call flipping, everybody bought those damn things to try to flip. Some people bought them, you know, honestly and with good intentions of hunting it. But yep. that, that flipper market, they went out there and you guys had put out enough in that one run that nobody was flipping it for anything. People were losing money trying to flip it because well, they were out there. I, I hate for anybody, and I guess if I had any regret on it, that would be it. I hate for anybody to buy a call and then lose money on it. Now, um, that kind of goes against anything where you buy something, it's going to depreciate. That's just the nature of any purchase you make. But my thought was, I knew if we sold those for $150, yeah. That there would be people that would buy him, turn around and sell them for two hundred and fifty dollars, make a hundred bucks off of just being one of the people that got an email in to us. Yep, yep, I agree. I, I think you guys did I, it the right way. I hate that. Right, wrong, and again, Rusty and I go round and round and round in circles over that stuff. Um, it is what it is. I hate that. So, and I, I have said this on more than one occasion when people start a thread about those i posted those calls so that and i mean it's not uh, i shouldn't say i it was my idea i thought it was will will said that he was fine with it so it's not like i said hey this is what we're doing this
what's going to be, but it was my idea. We talked it out, and I set the price point on it. And I did it so that people couldn't buy them and then make a hundred bucks off of just being able to have gotten an email to us. That's why I did it that way. Now, again, looking back on it, I probably could have sold them for 175 bucks and, and people could have been able to buy them flip them for 200 bucks or, yeah, or no, 225 yeah. or whatever. I don't know. think that's your responsibility to take on, though. People trash well, talk the R&T limited runs every single time they put out a new one. And guess what? Those same people are waiting in line for the next one to come out three weeks later. Yeah. So if you went and you made another one out of, say, ABW, just for gigs, you know, use that as a, a wood, those things would still be sold out at the same price for the same thing because people are still going to want it. And the well, flippers are still going to try to do the same thing. We we didn't sell all of them. We we still got a few of those green diamond ones. Um, we didn't we didn't make a big deal about selling them. We sold we when we were putting those together that day at his house. Uh, number one, people think that we had a machine. We got them back. We had to just put a cork and reed in them, and that was it. And that is not anywhere close to being the truth. We had to do, you know, the bands on all those things were, the tenon, the band tenon was too big for the band, so we had to turn all of those things back down. We still had to go back through and finish them all. We had to, you know, those tone boards weren't perfect off the mill, so we had to go back through and do a lot of work on all of those. Um, and granted, it wasn't like it was a, you know, a major undertaking. Both of us are I guess you could say both of us know our way around the bastard file well enough that we, once we figured out where we needed to file on the first couple to get them like we wanted, it went pretty quick. But it wasn't. Cork it wasn't and sticking reed and cork in there, blowing it a yeah. few times and sending it on down the yeah. way. Yeah, right. And you know, so, you say that you know you didn't you didn't sell them all. That's all right. Chevy doesn't sell every 2020 Corvette that rolls off the line. They're gonna have some yeah. left the next year, and then they're still gonna come out with a brand new one. Well, I, I keep telling Will every time I talk to him that he needs to send me one so I can hunt it. I haven't got one yet. So I may have to make a trip up to Siloam and steal a box of calls out of his shop. Just hold them hostage until I can get one of them back. He's in Siloam? Yeah. I literally go there like twice a week. <laughs> he's for, uh, for work. He, he's in the Siloam about a quarter of a mile from the Oklahoma border. Yeah, yeah, I go there all the time, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he is Indian, you know. He's, he's a Cherokee Nation member, so he's with his people. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Dude, yeah. There's definitely a lot right there. Yeah. So. But that that's that's basically the, the battle mix in a nutshell. And like I said, I mean, people are all kinds of work and I shouldn't say that there are people that get all kind of worked up over those calls and, and that's fine it, you know it is what it is if I had to do it over again I would definitely do it a little bit differently um, are you did you guys do 250 of them uh no we didn't do near that many no I can't remember how many or I don't know if you've ever even said we sold a hundred or so of them yeah, I think that's um, that's what I was going to say. If you ever did it again, you know, I think a, a safe number is like 50 to 100, and guess what? Not everybody who wants one's going to get one. Yeah. But then, then you create that little bit of a, a market scarcity where people can try them out, you know, you'll get yeah. yours out of it, and if people want to freaking try to resell them or buy them secondhand, then good luck to you. Yeah, like I said, if, if we were to redo that, I would, I would definitely do it a little differently. Um and, and we talked about, I mean, we went, we talked about materials and different things. We talked about doing 50 black micarta and 50 brown micarta or doing the diamond wood. And that's just, the, we just ended up doing the diamond wood with a, with a little old, you know, a little velvet old finish on them. And, you know, I think it's a pretty good looking call. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, it's a really cool mix between your guys' shape, you know, yep. you have to actually look for those little details other than the obvious, you know, of uh, the band shape, or the barrel shape and yep. the insert shape. Are you there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Okay. I, um, well, I may, 
I, if I, I might, you may cut out here in just a second. That's all right. You going through a tunnel? Well, I'm, I'm going through a little spot on my way home from work that I may lose you. It just <laughs> depends on the day, you know. Right. Get your, uh, your guys' tin can and string and <laughs> That's exactly right. aluminum foil lined up. Yeah. So, uh, I think that takes care of plenty of uh, the battle MIG conversation yeah. for another day until you guys do that next run. You heard it here first. That uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't even go there. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what's this competition calling thing you're going to get into? Well, As a, and again, you're a call maker, so you'll, you can relate to this. Every call that I make, I want it to be a call that I would use. So I have, you know, my cut down, I have a cut down on my lantern. I hunt a 17. Um, I have a 13 on my lantern. I can hunt a 21 or a 15 or any of, any of my models. Right. But I, I don't hunt an open water call. So I have the 19, which is a, an open water call that has the loud ringing hail that you expect in a call that people use to compete on stage. So you have the MVP or the boss or uh, the refuge bus ticket or, or um, uh, there's a couple other ones. A lot of guys nowadays are using a, 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 a Bill Daniels call, Riceland call. Uh, I know that's what Mingo's using and Cody Johnson and some of those guys are blowing a, a rice land call Main Street. But every, every, you know, every big call maker has a Main Street or an open water style call. For me to figure out, and this is in my head, for me to figure out what that call needs to get better, I have to be blowing it. And since I don't hunt that call, the only way to make that call better is to try to get it on stage. Yeah, I don't know of anybody that's uh, got their Main Street call, though, set up that they're going to take in the woods. But, but, not necessarily. There are lots of guys that hunt MVPs. Yeah, but their tuning is way different. But still, there are lots of guys that run MVPs. There are lots of guys that run a boss. There are lots of guys that run those loud, that style of call. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm I, gonna, not going to say that you can't hunt any of those calls. There's plenty of ducks that have been killed with them. Right, but that's not, and I've got uh, guys that hunt some of my early 19s and love them, um, but that's not the style of call that I'm going to take hunting, whether it's in the field or the open water or on the Arkansas River or wherever. That's just not the way I called in the woods. I like raspy, real heavy bottom-end ducks. You yep. can get that out of a 19, but that's not the way that call is designed. Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. That's the, Anything that's that loud, I'm always always skeptical. That's why I love that Ostevic, man. <laughs> that's, right. uh, that's exactly how I hunt right there. So, in my head, and I've gotten it into the hands of a couple of guys. Uh, Rob Miles from Indiana got one of the uh, co-cast ones that I did the other day. Um, talk with him back and forth. He feels like they're there could be some improvement there. But that's, to me, that's how, number one, as a call maker, you put out a better product. You put your call in the situations that it was designed to be in. I don't hunt open water, so to make to see if I can make that call better, I've got to get it in the hands of a few guys, whether they are pro staffers, for me or not, get it in the hands of a few people that I trust, let them run it, tell me what I can what they feel like I can do better and then run it myself. And the, for me to run that call, it needs to be on stage. So that got me thinking about the, seeing if I can qualify to, to go to Stuttgart one year. Now, I mean, I have no illusions of qualifying for Stuttgart and going down there and, and making all three rounds or anything like that. There's way too many guys have been doing this for way too long that can blow their freaking well to read out of anything you know so but it would be cool to qualify with a call that i made to go to stuff garden that's that's kind of what led me into the contest Steve. yeah yeah i think you need to freaking try to get out there and do some meat calling contest too man <laughs> nah, no 
those guys got too many fancy notes in the beat calling that I don't think I can do. I think I can, I mean, you don't have to do too much fancy in a Main Street call as long as you can run it top to bottom and blow clean. You, you, you have a chance. Right, right, as long as you can repeat that routine. There's obviously more to it than that, but if you can blow top to bottom clean and, and, uh, you don't have to do the fancy hiccups and the squeals and the, you know that stuff that a lot of guys are putting in meat calls now. I can do some of that stuff, but I can't do it near as good and near as consistent as, as Seth Fields can or as Mingo or, you know, well, those guys of, are on a None of those guys way. could when they started. Well, well, besides maybe Corey Neekum, he probably could. I think he'd come out of the yeah, womb with a duck call in his mouth, bitten feathers. Pretty long lineage of that guy's family, though. Yeah. But, I mean, there, there are guys that you just know are just a freak on a call, and there's no way I can beat them. Nah, you, anybody can be beat. It's just how long, how many years no, is it going to take? No, 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 no. How many those years guys, is it going to take? Those guys don't get beat. They beat themselves. Well, that's there's everything. That's That's there's everybody difference. in Stuttgart. In, almost any, there's probably 20 people at Stuttgart that could win every single year if they blow three clean. Well, it's the guy that does it that wins. Well, that's you know? why when it's really good, when you got a guy, you know, the year that Mingo, Ben Burgess, and freaking Logan were all in the finals, because all three of them were blowing super clean, and they're all three capable, and that's why it was so good. Well, I guess that happened this year, too, from what I hear, that they had a couple of guys that were really, really good, and it was up yeah. for grabs. Yeah, Steiny and Goats both were freaking back-to-back. I heard they were both neck-and-neck, and, neck, and then... Uh, can't remember Trevor. who else. Trevor, yeah, Trevor ended up taking second, but uh, but I still think the separation was pretty big. I think he ended up losing by four. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, the year that Mingo, Logan, and uh, and Ben Burgess were all top three. I think two points separated first to third. They went to the call off to to win that one, didn't they? Uh, not for first place or second place. That was uh, oh. there was like a four way tie for fourth, but uh, it was. Ben Burgess was ahead of Mingo by one point and ahead of Logan by three, and Logan came back and won. It was hey. it was something crazy, dude. I can't remember, but they were all blowing really, really clean. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, there's so many guys out there that can that can just show up and win that thing as long as they blow three clean or at least be you know in that top ten range. Well, I don't I don't have any grandeur of being in that range by any stretch, but it would be nice to go down there and get cut in the first round just. <laughs> well, if you're not going down there to win at some point, then, you, man, that's a lot of time and effort to put into it not to want to win it. See, and here, here's something else that um, <laughs> may, me and you maybe have talked about this, I don't know. But you get guys like Trevor, who is always very confident, very outspoken about his abilities. Right. You know, and I don't know if there's a better, a more talented all-around caller on the planet than Trevor. Absolutely. Yeah, I, we had this talk the other day. There's guys that are better individuals, like Hunter and stuff like that. But yeah. all around, every single aspect of calling, dude, there's nobody that's even close yeah. to Trevor. Maybe Seth. Seth is pretty good, but he's still not to Trevor's world champ level of everything. But a good, I, I, Seth can blow the piss out of Goose Call, he but, can. He doesn't have the, but he doesn't have the titles that, that exactly, Trevor does. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, you, you're kind of splitting hairs there anyway in any one of those conversations however you want to do it oh yeah it could be argued but if you go to one of those events whether you want to call it cocky or arrogant or whatever and to me this is the same thing in a golf tournament in a bass tournament or whatever if you go if you play freaking online poker when you show up at one of those events you have to think for that time frame I'm the baddest guy here, and nobody's going to beat me. Oh, yeah. Look at Jordan back in the day. It's it's half yeah. a mental battle. People get <clears throat> mad at Trevor for that stuff. They don't realize it's a game. He's doing exactly yeah. what Conor McGregor does walking into the fight. He's getting into people's heads before yep. they even step on the stage. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, the only time I met Tyler Merrick was at a meat calling contest. The only time I've ever been on stage cutting the first round was terrible. But I talked to him backstage, and that guy is as down to earth, 
hey man, how's it going? Where are you from? You know, he wanted to wanted to make conversation, wanted to get to know you. But as soon as he stepped up on stage, and he when they said caller number three, do you want to warm up? It was a different game for him. Oh yeah, he flipped the switch. Yeah, man, that's and the majority that's the of those guys. you gotta have, regardless of what you're doing, regardless of what sport, whatever it is. That's the way you gotta be to be successful. And those guys that excel have that mentality in anything. Yeah, I mean, uh, the first time I ever filmed any of those competitions, Kyle Jones, back-to-back World Goose Champ, right now, first guy to come <laughs> up, shake hands, say, "Hey, how's it going?" Introduce himself. Like super, super nice guy. And then you step on stage and he's a killer. Yep. Yep. You gotta you gotta have a little bit of that to be on their level, regardless of you know. I mean, we could even go in the the call making world. Look at Mike Stilsner. There's not a guy on on the planet that would be willing to help me quicker than Mike if I said, "Hey, man, I've got trouble. This is what's going on. What do I need to do?" He'd say, "Try this, or try that, or look at this, or, or measure this." But when it comes time to go to whatever call making contest, it's game on. You know? Oh yeah, we can be friends afterwards. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> me and me and Will may ride the real foot together, but when we get there I'm going one way and I'm not gonna be anywhere around while they're blowing our calls for the dang judging. <laughs> you know? That's just that's part of the game, man. That's right. Rusty may think he's going to beat me in this little goose calling deal. But. Yeah, yeah, that just popped up this last week. What's this bet that he's going to make a better duck call than you make goose call, right? See, I, we got to get some clarity on that. And since it is Rusty's birthday, happy birthday, Rusty. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna we'll we'll have to figure this out. Yeah, from what, what, it, what the it, way that what I it under- turned into, I think Mingo's involved now. There's going to be so it's going to be me, Rusty. Mingo, Will, Brad Samples, uh, Channing, I think got in it, but it's, everybody has to make a cold. Uh-oh, cut out. What, what was that? Everybody has to make a what? A Coca-Cola duck call? Yeah. And everybody has to make a Coca-Cola goose call. And we're going to average your finish in the duck call and the goose call and see who does the best. Are we all going to use Stelsner's guts? Uh, I am. I don't make a goose call. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Stelsner's going to win every single goose I don't know call. What, I don't know what everybody else is doing, but I'm, I'm, I have no qualms in saying I'm using the CNS MBTs in my goose call because I don't make a goose call. Right? I think he's the only one out of everybody you mentioned that makes one. Rusty. I think so. <laughs> I think so. So, is it going to be who places higher and what? Or combination? It's, um, we're taking the average, the combination of the duck and the goose post. Yeah, no. And that's... I don't know. I don't know. That's why I said we need some clarification. Is it whoever finishes last has to buy the winner? Or whoever finishes last has to buy everybody dinner? Or what? Yeah, it just sounds like at that point I'm donating money to the NWTF. Yeah, because that could get expensive. Yeah, no joke. Especially when more people keep jumping on. I know. Well, today... So I, I think I think the best thing to do would be whoever loses has to buy everybody around at the, at the falls one night. Yes. Well, heck, man, it's, uh... The, um... Today's the cutoff. Yeah. So, did you get yeah. all yours... You getting all yours knocked out and done? Well, yeah. Um... Aside from his Coca-Cola calls? That's why I don't play with them. They're getting blue bands on both of mine just out of spot. <laughs> Jesus, that ugly ass blue band. <laughs> That's, it is what it is. That's right. You got to get rid of them somehow, right? That's right. I do you still get requests for them? I do on occasion, yes. Anybody who has been around for a while and knows. Yeah. Well, I'm so dang far behind on my call makers trades and all that crap. You know, when when I do get a blue band request, you know, Two it, years it doesn't later. happen. <laughs> it doesn't happen. 
Well, heck, man, it's been so freaking cold here. It's been really, really hard to motivate me to go outside. Well, I wish it would get that cold here. It hasn't yet. If it get that cold, we might actually have some ducks. Yeah, it's supposed to, uh, it's like 18 right now. It's supposed to be 12 tonight and snow again on Wednesday, Thursday. And yeah, I was oh, driving. I was driving up north of the Lake of the Ozarks all day long, and it was snowing pretty dang well, sticking and everything. So, dang. Yep. I don't. My my youngest. I don't know that my youngest has ever seen snow. He's five. Really? Yeah. Dude, it's it's stuck maybe up more. here two weeks ago. I didn't even snow here. That's crazy. You guys are not that much further south either. You're like three and a half hours. We we have. I know my oldest has seen snow a couple of times. I don't think my youngest son has seen snow. Did it snow down there a lot when you were a kid? Uh, we'd get one good snow a year. Man, that's crazy. We used to get, you know, one or two good snows a year where you'd get a foot. And school would be out for a week and a half and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You haven't got that kind of snow in 15, 20 years. Yeah, we, we don't. We met... Our, once or twice have we gotten that much snow. You better um, sell that Chevy and get a hybrid so you can fight global warming. <laughs> get the ducks back I'm, south again. I'm not giving up my Bluetooth for a damn hybrid. Just well, they See, that's the argument for all these duck hunters out here. If you want the ducks to fly south, you better get a Prius. So you just opened up a whole new can of worms that you won't be able to get the lid back off right there. But. What? That it's... Uh, that it's been too warm. It's too warm for him to migrate south, man. It's crazy. Oh, I agree with you completely. It's crazy. I agree completely. But Oklahoma is still loaded up with birds. <clears throat> I, I, yeah, I really don't know what the heck to say about it. I was am a hundred percent serious. I was looking at beagles online last night. <laughs> there's no ducks to hunt, and it's. When it goes from 60 to 20 to 60 to 20, the local geese start doing crazy stuff too. So it's like, you know, I quit hunting ducks primarily two or three years ago. And we just started hunting honkers 24-7 and uh, shoot ducks, you know, whenever the opportunity was there or if it got really good and there was, you know, a lot of ducks around. Man, you can't even hunt the honkers anymore. It's not even worth scouting. Jeez. Yeah, it's it's bad, man. At least you got a river down there, you know, that's kind of a little mini flyway. Out here, it's ridiculous. If I go an hour and a half towards Kansas, then yeah, it gets really, really good. It's better than it's been a long time that direction, but that's so far to drive. Yeah. Can't do it daily. And I think that goes back into, though, too, the talking about the migration patterns. Not necessarily... Uh, Migration is not stopping, but I think the the migrations are moving east and west. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's most definitely shifting. So, but that's that's for that's a conversation with people that got more brains than I do usually. Oh yeah, yeah, they're all people that have been to school for years doing that stuff. <laughs> and they don't know their ass from a hole in the ground either. Well, they're getting paid a lot of money by yeah. the government to go do whatever they want. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's going on up there with you? What have you been up to? You still turning them out? Oh yeah, yeah. I've uh, it's too cold, man. I can't, I can't make myself get in the garage. I've been doing it. I work usually four days a week, uh, at my job. So on that that one day a week, and then on the weekends, I get out there in the middle of the day when it's a little bit warmer outside, and I can manage it. But uh. Other than that, I'm not going out in the middle of the night to turn calls anymore. It's 15 degrees outside. Man, put you a space heater out there. I got a space heater out there. I use one of those uh, little oil ones because I, I don't want to get a uh, an actual blower heater and catch the whole place on fire. Uh, Ostevic just got one of those new sweet ceiling mounts that's super uh, yeah. that mounts to the ceiling, but I can't do any of that mess. Um, is, your, is your garage insulated? I mean, your garage would have to be insulated, wouldn't it? No, I don't, not, I mean, you still got a door. But still, if you put you like a window unit out there, do you have a window in your garage? No, I got no window in my garage. No, I just, I have a regular, like one of the 
uh, not oil heater like kerosene, but like, you know, one of the old school radiator looking ones. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Turn that thing on full blast and straddle that sucker and let the heat radiate up <laughs> <laughs> and stay warm. It works yeah. pretty decent, but anytime you got to go out there in a hoodie and sweatpants and dang near gloves to turn, I'm like, eh, there's better stuff I could be doing with my time right now. Yeah. I was I was talking with uh, Kevin Fiedler the other day in Messenger back and forth, and he, had, he was asking me about um, getting the... He, he was trying to decide if he wanted to buy a new bow or if he wanted to put a heater in the shop. And I, I said, man, I'm fortunate enough that I've got a new bow and I've got a heater in my shop both. He said, well, that just ain't even fair. I'll just ask somebody else then, you know. That's what you tell him. <clears throat> well, get out there and get to work so you can earn your well, yeah. Well, I, my, my in-laws run a heat in their business, so I got to. Oh, you got that yeah. cheap labor. That's right. That's right. They do out of state. <laughs> Uh, not that far, probably. <laughs> yeah, I actually, uh, I'm gonna have to start tinkering around. I hope to have a jig put out by April. So good gracious! I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the dive and just bite the bullet and do it. I don't want to, but oh, it'll change your life, man. It takes so much longer, freaking sanding every damn call. I hate it. Finally talked him into getting a jig made, and I think it's pretty well changed his life. Right? Yeah, man. Save you two or three hours. That flat jig is a pain in the butt. Uh, I got it down so I can do it a lot faster than that, but it's still, you know, it's nothing to do 45 minutes of freaking flat jigging. Do like Ostevic. Ostevic doesn't necessarily have a flat jig, but he took his flat jig to a grinder. Yeah, yeah. I saw he... uh, put it in a vise and ground it up and cut it short and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but then if I do that and I get too crazy and then I want to flat jig my next call, flat jig is done. <laughs> you know? I don't even know. I think I think Zachary Stennis still got my flat jig. I'm not even sure. I let, I let somebody borrow it. I have a local guy here that uh, I sold a lot of my stuff to originally that I believe has my flat jig from my original flat jig, but right. no telling. You swapped to the uh, three five flat jig, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. I need to get another three three five. I was telling Channing that a while back, and I was, I just don't have time to mess around with doing a bunch of different uh, heights and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. If I ever get caught up to the point where I don't feel like I need to do anything, then yeah, go for it. <laughs> That's my biggest thing for wanting to finally just get a jig nailed down so that way I can have a uh, a really, really solid, repeatable, you know, starting yep. point to where I can start making tweaks. Because, yep. that you know, designing a brand new tone board every single call, that there, there's no way you're ever going to make it 100% repeatable doing it that way. Nope. Or with a jig, you can get it real close. I, I don't, and I think a lot of people think, think, don't don't think about that the way that a call maker would. Just because you have a jig and just because you're good enough and consistent enough that you turn the same tenon, drill at the same depth, you're still not going to get the exact same call every time. Oh, yeah. With, with wood, especially because of the variances in the wood and you get a wood tone channel that drills crooked or, or, or whatever, that's going to change things. So that's where... Knowing what to do when it comes out of the jig plays a role too. Yep. And that that simply comes from screwing up a ton of inserts. <laughs> <clears throat> and I've got plenty of those. Boxes and boxes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, did you finally make it home? Yeah, I just pulled into the yard here. It's a good 45-minute drive for me. Good night. Yeah, I live about 30, and I, I complain about it all the time. Yeah, but you're on the road, sounds like, even on top of that. So. Yeah, yeah, I drive nine hours a day anyway, so. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I was stuck in the freaking warehouse as the manager for eight months and would go crazy, so I was like, eh, send me back out. Ugh. I don't like driving that much. 
It's not bad. It's not bad. I, I do that much driving scouting if I'm going to go scouting. So. Yeah, but that's different. Well, yeah, I'm paying. I'm getting paid instead of paying. But you're getting paid because you get to go duck hunting. That's right. I mean, I'm <laughs> not anymore, but I never got paid enough to make it worthwhile. Oh, I ain't never been paid to go duck hunting. <laughs> right. I got paid in love. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, we'll uh, we'll call it good there. I got the kiddos. Should be home any minute. They just got out of school on the dot right now. So uh, see when they get home. And dang, that's late, isn't it? Three forty-five. They're in elementary school, so yeah, they're uh, they're late. Then on Friday they get out at like two thirty. Oh, my boys get out at three oh five. Are they in elementary? Yep. Dang. Yeah, that is late. I don't know. I don't complain. It just means I don't have to get them up. <laughs> so do they go in later, though? Yeah, they go in at 8.30. Ah, there you go. See, Seth starts school at 8, so there's a difference right there. Yeah, I think once they hit fourth grade here, they start at 7.30, 7.45, something like that. Ooh. Yeah. Luckily, our school, I live, <clears throat> my neighborhood is across the street from our school. So I live across the street, and then the middle school is like a block and a half away. And then uh, the girl, my girl that I'm dating now, she works at their school as the behavioral therapist. So it's like she just gets up in the morning and takes them to school, and yeah, it's all good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that'd be nice. It's convenient until she gets home, and she's been with them for 12 hours already. She's like, I'm leaving. Have fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, I'll let you get out of here, and thanks everybody for tuning in. And uh, yeah, once again, if you like it, say something. If you don't, say something. It doesn't matter either way. Um, for me, I'm sure they'll have plenty to say. Well, we'll see. It depends on how many people actually listen. So. <laughs> All right, yeah. guys. Thank you. <laughs>